can't touch this. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. My, 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 my music hit me so hard. Makes me say, oh my lord, thank you for blessing me. What am I doing? Welcome to the Circuit Clouds Podcast, the official podcast of United League Baseball purveyors of fine fake baseball since 1951 or 2003 and we are entering our 40th season uh and our first season with 18 teams thanks for the patience of our new gms in uh, montreal and seattle for putting up with a uh, long long wait before opening day starts but opening day is upon us and as usual we're going to do our um season preview podcast our format is going to be familiar difference there's we're back to the two division alignment so um we'll be doing uh the east division first from bottom to top and then we'll move to the west our panel today is uh glenn reed uh, gm of the st louis maroons two-time defending champs going for the three pete hello glenn (laughs) yeah uh for the record i I have covid and it's your end at work so apologies to charlie and whoever else's team i was supposed to cover All right. Set, set the bar low. I mean, let's just off let's to just a great start. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also joining us from the LA Outlaws, Peter Vase. Hello, Peter. Hey, good evening, everyone. And last but not least, Charlie Qualls, GM of the Cleveland Barons. Hello, CBQ. Hey, guys. I feel great, and I'm still going to screw it up. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't have COVID and I don't feel great. And I had a great idea of making myself an espresso at 9 p.m. last night. And then I thought uh, I would read for a couple hours. I ended up reading for five hours. Uh, <laughs> fell asleep around three, had to get up at seven. So I'm a little sleep deprived, but um, I'll, I'll just let my poor preparation speak for itself. I don't need, I don't need any, any excuses. No excuses required. <laughs> no excuses required, but I'm offering one anyway. Yeah, yeah okay, fair enough. <laughs> All right, so the way we're going to do this is the four of us uh, – the we we split up the eighteen teams amongst the four of us, and we're just going to cycle through. We basically assign them, and we're going to go from the bottom of the east to the top, and then the bottom of the west to the top, and we'll just rotate through. So Charlie gets to start off. It's not a surprise that. Um, oh, also I should note that we're going by the the games uh, pro- projections, and obviously there's a couple of kind of all ball ones that we'll talk about. Um, but it's no surprise that the expansion Keystone Starlings were uh, projected to finish last in the East. And Charlie, you had <clears throat> Keystone. Also, Charlie, since you, you came up with the the idea for the uh, the outline, so why don't you talk a little bit about um, the outline that we're going to follow for each of each of the teams? Right. So yeah, I think we we start off basically with just the strengths of the team, and then the weaknesses. And then, you know, their off-season moves and how important those were. And then talk about the prospects and the farm and all that. So, um, so actually, starting with Keystone, it's hard to do that without mashing it all together because there's no there's no history here. Everything is new. So I'm just going to dive right in with Keystone Starlings uh, with their strengths. And I think that's uh, the GM, Doug, just coming out swinging, right? He's got big moves. Uh, one big questionable move that that I'm gonna take uh, umbrage with, uh, <laughs> as you guys probably know. Um, but another strength of this team is the is the youth. We've got 17 guys under 25, 
and so far they are leaning into the offense. Um, so, and yeah, their, their farm is their strength right now. Fielder, Bayerga, Walton, right? Segui, Zeal. Dang, that is going to be dangerous. Um, Pitching-wise, pitching Merker and Trevor Wilson. Uh, the big move that uh, was, was the trading of Randy Tomlin. Uh, that was a tough one for me to swallow. Um, he, this, this guy might have been the best starting pitcher we've seen in the draft since maybe the last expansion. So uh, he just looks like a stud right out of the gate. I think the game's got him in the top 10 already, and he hasn't thrown a pitch. And, uh, and, we gave him to, and we're just handing Sean the keys to the, to the league. Yeah, you guys know how I feel about trading pitching. And so let, let me just start with um, a public service warning. Um, I don't really, I, I, you know, I'm not judging the trade. You know, you, you're trying to build a franchise. You're trying to build young guys, young hitters, and you got some good ones. And maybe you don't want to win right now. And maybe Tomlin makes you uh, a little too good in that department. But um, I blame myself for not asking about him, Why? <laughs> for not approaching uh, Doug about and, and saying, hey, I, I wouldn't mind having this guy. And I think a few of us would have backed up a, a quite a bit of prospects for him. So maybe there's something to be to be shopping the guy. But then, you know, you got to quit your job so you can uh, field all the all the offers. But anyways, just uh, just throwing it out there. Who did he get for Tomlin? You, you, so you, it sounds like you don't think he got enough for him. I know he got I, I, Bayer, I he Bayerga. got Bayerga and Segui were the big were the big names. Which again, you know, Bayerga is a second baseman. That's a nice get. Segui is first base, so it's like maybe it's a little easier to to get a first baseman down the road. So uh, you know, I, I see where he's going with this certainly. And he could have a Toronto-style offense in a few short years like Toronto did. But Toronto also started with Gooden. So he built everything around Dwight Gooden. So, I, you know, the, the pitching is going to be hard to come by. Just talk to Lance about that right now, trying to, trying to find someone to pitch, you know. And he put together a great offense. One of the great things he did in the offseason was trade for a ton of 91 picks. I think he owns half of the second round, which uh, I think it would kind of be a worthy goal to try and get all the second round picks in the 91 <laughs> draft just just for the heck of it. Yeah. But uh, that's exactly what he should be doing. His rotation is is fine. It's a respectable start to a franchise, right? So uh, McCaskill, Rosama, Tibbs, Honeycutt, you know, these guys are going to be just, they'll be all right. They're not going to be too embarrassing. So yeah, he's going to try to lose games, I'm sure. And uh Get some big names. I think we've got like Pedro coming up in a couple of years and Yusina. So, you know, maybe he can make up for the the pitching there. Yeah. So just to uh, wrap a bow around this, um, the game has Keystone. Um, pre- th- these are based on the preseason projections. Um, 12th in offense. So kind of close to mid table, just below average. And then um, next to last in pitching. So, that's not surprising. And then as Charlie noted, he has 10 extra picks in the uh, next year's draft. And yeah, six of them are second rounders. So um, he'll basically be in the same situation next year that, that Sean was in this year. So, so yeah, it looks like he's definitely 
building for you know, a few years down the road. He, he was definitely angling more towards the more towards the hitting. Ratings wise, he has the lowest rated infield. So he was like, "Oh, my pitching's historically bad, dude. It's not even close." He has the lowest rated infield because you know he likes that high contact and nothing else matters. You know, <laughs> so um, so he has the lowest infield, lowest position players. Um, and I did some quick back of the napkin analysis. I estimate those draft picks will cost him around, we don't know because the salary slots vary, but around 11 million in first and second round picks next year. So, wow. Um, so that's real money right now though. He does have, um, 18 million in cap space, but like you said, just like Sean, right? Sean had to do some trades to, to offload salary. Right. So I would expect that he could be doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah, and oh, it could also be using those. Maybe he doesn't intend to keep all of those picks. Maybe he'll, he, maybe he'll use a few of them to trade to get back Tomlin. Yeah, parlay, <laughs> parlay. <laughs> all right, so let's move on. Uh, eighth in the East. This is pretty controversial. I think this is a glitch in the game. The game has Manhattan coming in eighth. Before we, so P, this is Peter's going to do. Manhattan. Before we do this, Glenn, I go, we got to ask where where do you, by your ratings count, you, you have to man you have to have them higher than eighth in the division. Right? <laughs> yeah, Manhattan is third in the East, third with the okay. Pole. I mean, and they're quite right. a bit. And 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 then um, overall, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh overall. And okay, um, third so they should be in the playoffs. So, so I I don't know what's going on with the game, but it, the, in the projections, they have them rated as the dead last worst pitching team which is just subjectively not even possible so take this all with a grain of salt again apologies eric uh we're not dissing your team the game is dissing your team <laughs> so 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 pete uh tell us what you've got on uh on manhattan gray Sox. yeah so i definitely don't have them winning only 68 games uh now last year they won 84 which was good enough to win their division in the larger format Obviously, I don't think he'll win the East with 84. Not a lot of change. The bottom of the rotation changed a little bit. And then they they just pick up Matt Young from me through Seattle. So this offseason, I tried to see how many guys I can trade more than once. I think I pulled off like three or four of those. So he will have Matt Young. So the rotation will get a little bit better. Uh, otherwise, I mean, he's returning a lot of the same guys who I thought were much older, but actually... Manhattan isn't that old. You know, you take away Alice Valentine and, and um, Gary Carter and everybody else is actually in the lineup under 30, 30 or under. So it's the very much the same formula as, as last year. It's an all righty lineup built specifically for his park. A bunch of guys that just hit a ton of home runs. And then the bottom of the order is all speed guys. So it's just basically generate runs through home runs or stolen bases so very similar formula to last year uh defensive wise again same formula you get gary carter fletcher and sandberg up the middle and then everybody else kind of can field or just guys like tartable that can't field at all but he built the defense around catcher to be in shortstop um other than that the rotation is very similar you have kelly downs who's the most i would say well-rounded pitcher and then he's got his formula for the pitchers too you know low stuff high movement pretty good control and pretty much every guy sort of fits that mold um 
Matt Young maybe a little bit better than that. And then he's got Ripley on the DL for another four months, but Ripley's a little bit better than that. So maybe he'll hit his stride kind of the last month or so of the season. As always, Eric could be very dangerous in the playoffs. Um, other than that, in terms of development, he did have some downgrades to some starters. So Sabo had a couple downgrades. Roberto Kelly did. And then I think Scott Fletcher took a downgrade. I don't remember if it was contact or I, but Scott Fletcher has been a key part for a while. And then Sandberg actually moved down from nine contact to eight. Manhattan mm-hmm. historically has been an offensive superstars and it's kind of down to Sandberg as the true superstar. The rest are sort of role players. One of his role players had 50 home runs and 142 yeah. RBIs. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. his role was to... <laughs> put up a 6.0 war yeah Conseco yeah this team they were second in, in scoring last year um yeah it, it, it doesn't look like this team's gotten any any weaker at all no I don't think so like the bottom of the lineup is not super scary I mean you've got you know Gary Carter hitting fifth and then the three guys I just spoke about that took downgrades so Fletcher Kelly and Sabo but the top four do a lot of damage so I think that that's been the formula and he's sticking to it and Eric tends to win. So I'm sure it'll work again. Yeah. And Glenn and I were noting that, that Eric has a knack for figuring out what the, what the bar is, how, how high of the, the bar that he has to clear and just getting, you know, one game over it. So I think as Glenn said, he's third, uh, he, he's likely to be, he could be third in the, East, which will get him in the playoffs, but he might be the seventh or eighth overall, right? Because I think Glenn will talk about this. I'm sure, like the West is the stronger division, so there, there probably will be a couple teams that don't make the playoffs in the West that finish with a better overall record than Manhattan. I mean, I, I would say that that's almost certain. Every you said, I mean, dude, we can go back. I don't know how far you go back. The dude's always like the last playoff team, you know. Even even friggin', you know. Craig Robinson, Manhattan, he wouldn't always win the division. So he's just, he's a master. He will do, he'll be whatever he has to do to get in. And then once he's there, you know, he wins his seven game series and he makes it tough. So, um, you know, and like you said, he went out and got a 20 rated starter. Yeah. I, I think he's in for sure. All right. So let's move on. Next on the list is Cleveland. The game has them rated seventh with 73 wins. They've been on an upswing. They went from 64 to 71 to 76 wins last year they were the sixth ranked pitching team okay so a few things i need to tell you is like i said <laughs> no i wasn't joking it's year in and i have covid so so I, i'm like barely functional so i actually drafted um believe it or not i drafted sean to help me so i wouldn't be like <laughs> totally ass out so i have to give sean credit for his input but um that thing is, you know, all the mistakes and interpretation are my own, right? So, you know, so the errors are mine. Um, okay, so, well, we had talked about, you know, should you talk about pros and cons and prospects and changes? But Jesus Christ, I mean, Charlie's, like, he turned over the entire roster. So it's interesting to compare with the prior year. Like, you know, almost everybody's different, or at least a lot of the guys are different. And it's a lot of the guys in the lineup. So I don't know if we should start by t- – so maybe we should just talk about the lineup, right? You just did a trade. so But I think the, the argument is Whitaker will play second, and then you'll move that killer little second baseman over to third, right? And, and yeah, basically or, yeah. bench – yeah, bench Mullenix, right? So right. 
<laughs> so, so what you do there then is you improve your OBP because Whitaker gets on way more than, or gets on more than Mullenix, and you improve your glove because Whitaker's a better glove guy than than the second base, who's now playing third, and he's still viable at third. So, so, so you've improved your team in a lot of ways, um, but you, you know you're trying to overcome the loss of Eddie Murray, who was like your big masher last year. Mm-hmm. But to do that, I think you've got how Morris in the lineup, right? So you've got your sort of high contact. This is more of the, the old classic Charlie model or the Seattle model, if you want to call it that. We have the high contact guys and guys get on base and you've got wheels and, and they get around. So so like I say, there's been a, a million changes. But oh, and you add McReynolds, that's another masher. With respect to the pitching, I think the acquisition of Orozco is good. Plesak is good. Olin is amazing, right? So, I mean, I think your the bullpen is really, really good. One of the things that Sean actually like was keen on pointing out is like the progress you made on finances, right? So Mullenix and Goose, you know, their their contracts expire at the end of the year. So you're, that's $11 million that you get back, right? Yeah, something like that. So well, I'm counting on Mullenix to not pick up his <laughs> option. Oh, my God. I, oh my I, God. I, put him in the, I put him in the minors. He's going to oh be angry God. about it, but there you go. There you go, dude. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. So that you got to come up with some way to get, to get rid of him, I guess. But um, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but so your defense is, so it's more like almost like the classic Charlie team, right? It's the higher contact, the killer defense and the speed. So in that sense, you've kind of gone back to your roots, I would say. And you also went back to your roots with the pitching. If you look at like the farm system ranking, your, your farm isn't ranked that high. And if you look at the age, your team isn't that young. Well, but if you look at just your starters, you have among the youngest starters and you've got a ton, you know, I mean, whatever the list is, Glavin, Smoltz, Migraine, you know, McGrain's not even, I don't think, listed on there because he's injured right now. Olin, Valdez, I mean, it's ridiculous. So, so you have an amazing young pitching staff, but, you know, but it, it's, this goes back to Peter's thing that he said years ago that I've always like kept in the back of my mind. It's the old thing about do they all mature together? You know, can you get all the pieces to fall in place at the right time? And so that's still, I think, you know, yet to be ascertained. Will they be above or below the 76 wins they got last year? Based on the changes that I see, and again, I'm not 100% sure if this is capturing the um, Whitaker trade, but they're minus four war that or four and a half war. That's one of the biggest war deductions of any team. So if you just look at on a war basis, that would suggest four wins worse. Um, with respect to the rankings, I have you 11th, but in the East, fourth in the East, fifth in the East, Woo-hoo. sixth in the East. Sorry. It kept oh. getting worse. <laughs> <laughs> Keep slipping. Keep slipping. Yeah. The game has them winning 73 and they were 11th last year. So that seems, that seems reasonable. I mean, what do you think, Charlie? You- um, I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping to pull a 500 season. Um, that was what we were hoping for last year, yeah. but, uh, yeah, it didn't quite work out. So I, right. it wouldn't, it, it, we're going slower than we thought. We, we, we basically want the pitching to gel at the same time. That's, that's kind of what we're looking for. And then we'll have to just fill in the blanks with the defense and offense as we go. Next on the list, number six is the Boston Federals. Um, I took Boston. They're kind of the opposite of Cleveland. They've been on the decline the last few years. 90 wins back in 87, then 81 wins two years ago, and then 79 last year. So what can we say about Boston? Obviously, Cleveland is an offensive team. They were fifth in scoring last year, 14th in pitching. The game has them projected this year at very similar, ninth in uh, offense and 15th in pitching. So start with their strengths. 
I would say uh, with the lineup, their two real studs are first baseman Dion James and obviously two-time MVP Barry Bonds. Both of those guys are um, a top three at their positions. Bonds, by the way, is on pace for his third straight MVP, and that would make him the only player other than C-Rob to accomplish that feat. The game has them projected fourth in batting. He's got a lot of high contact guys, Kirby Puckett and Bonds. Both hit 334 last year. James hit 311. And another strength, he's got Ripken at shortstop, who's a 10, one of the few 10s in the league at any position. The weaknesses are bullpen jumped out at me as the biggest weakness. He's got Juan Nieves and Stottlemyre as his co-closers, and they're both 665. Might be the lowest rated closer in the, in the entire league. It is. Um, he, he did have, I guess this goes in the offseason, his one big free agent signing was Ken Howell, who's a really solid reliever. He's a six eight five. He's probably the best reliever he's got in the pen. Obviously, the defense is a concern. His catcher Dalton is a five. His second baseman Elster is a two. Um, so he's playing him kind of out of position. But he did address that somewhat because he did draft Morandini. Uh, with his first round pick. And if you look at the ratings, it's easy to see Morandini replacing Ulster as the season goes on. He's also surprisingly in the lower half in the league in power, if uh, all the power is concentrated in bonds. Onto his system, he's ranked fifth overall. However, one major problem I see with his system is that his top two prospects are the same two positions as his top two position players. So that's exactly like not what you want, right? You want your prospects to be coming up and filling holes. Um, and we'll get to that when you talk about uh, San Francisco, about, you know, drafting to to fill in gaps. But his two best players are uh, Bonds and Puckett, his left, left fielder and right fielder. His two best prospects are Moises Alou and Sammy Sosa. This is the team that's just crying out for a trade. Trade Puckett maybe for some starting pitching or something like that. And make room for Sosa or something like that. There's just a traffic jam in the outfield. And the infield is just crying out for upgrades almost every position. Also in the offseason, he lost Alejandro Pena. That was a big loss. It wasn't even free agency. He just did not offer him arbitration. So that was a, a, a big loss. He was easily the best relief pitcher last year. So that's going to hurt an already weak bullpen. Um, he did take three pitchers in the draft. However, two of his top three picks were outfielders. So he took Alou and then Chuck Carr, the center fielder. So he, uh, is, he he just can't stop drafting outfielders. At some point, he's got to either trade them away or use some of those picks on uh, on starting pitching. Finally, on the outlook, the game says 74 wins. They had 79 last year. I think 74 is reasonable. I, it's I, I don't hard, it's hard to see them improving on last year's 79 wins, particularly with both a weaker rotation and a weaker bullpen. We should mention that um, he doesn't have beard right uh he, he, this team used to have clemens and beard we always every year we were saying clemens beard one of the best one two punches well clemens has never really he clemens has never really taken off and then he just and he traded away beard last year so his rotation's weaker his bullpen's weaker probably 74 wins is is about right he's the lowest rated non-expansion team that's surprising oh really so 16th overall yeah It'll be interesting to see what he does with Clemens, who's he's paying what seven and a half million, and I think the game has him at nine million arbitration next year. It's like, I don't know, can you pay a, Can you pay that guy that much? And Puckett's making five million, so if he, if, you know, he can if he moves Clemens and Puckett, that gives him twelve million plus he's got another six in cap space, so he could definitely he could go after some draft picks or some prospects. It seems like that's the time for Boston to, to rebuild, especially on the pitching side. 
All right. So next on our list, fifth in the East is the Montreal Voyageurs. Uh, this is uh, Brian's team. Joe, of course, moved to take over Florida. Montreal last year was, they were horrible last year. They dropped 15 games to 62 and 100, uh, 15th, tied for 15th overall. The game this year has them projected to win 78 games would be right around 500 and right around mid table in the East. So Charlie, take it away with Montreal. All right. Uh, I do. I do like this team. I think they're on the rise despite last year's hiccup, um, which I think part of that is their strength of nurturing the young pitching. Um, of course they got humans. Who's just, uh, who's just come on really strong. looks awesome. And, and Bozio and Rogers. Um, I, I don't know if this is an oversight, but he's got Abbott starting in the minors, which I think he needs to be back up. He he had a pretty solid rookie season, you know, for, for what it was. He looked pretty good. So I think just for his development, he I think he needs to stay up. And plus, I think he is one of the better pitchers right now in that. And he's got Schilling in the minors, uh, who still has a bit of ways to go, but hopefully he won't stay down long either. I think he's at like 18 right now, so – that's definitely workable to let him work out his issues. So yeah, the young pitching is definitely a strength. Um, the offense is not bad at all. Bip Roberts is probably the prototype leadoff hitter. Uh, if you were starting from scratch, you know, you'd use that model. I think um, he's using the Griffey gambit, which I have to warn against. Uh, it looks like he's going to get on base a lot, but uh, he's, he's showing his age for sure. Um, so maybe, who knows, maybe he'll bounce back. Um, he's got Lonnie Smith, Jeff Blauser, Ket Herbeck, Chet Lemon. That's a solid four right there in the middle of their lineup. And then he's got Bonilla at third, which I think probably could use an upgrade. And of course, Girardi uh, behind the plate. Um, but I think, I think it's a decent offense. There's some defense issues. Uh, Luis Gonzalez is the real deal. I like that guy a lot. He should be up soon and contributing. Baroa looks sweet. He's got Conine and Sean Barry, right? They those guys have a way to go, but uh, if just one of them comes through, right, that's two million dollars spent. Well, uh, now the thing is, he has no real pitching prospects to speak of. But having said that, his rotation is, is all young guys, and if you throw Abbott and Schilling in the mix. And they're even younger. Like, I don't think anybody over 25. So, um, you know, you can call that prospecting. That's a, that's a great start for a young rotation. I noticed there's zero power on the team. Five is the highest rated power hitter. I'd probably bring up Luis Gonzalez right now. He's already mostly cooked. And he'd right away be the cleanup hitter. And yeah. I agree with you. Griffey may be done. I mean, I think he gets on... Uh, IL more than he gets on base. So there's really no danger, I think, in bringing up the 22-year-old Luis Gonzalez and letting him take Griffey's spot back clean up and see what happens. He has the lowest rated non-expansion infield. And yes, his total position players are quite low. Also, his ratings total year-to-year change. He lost 14 points. That's not the greatest subtraction. The biggest absolute subtraction was um, 16. So he just about lost the most rating points year over year. But again, probably he's not trying to do, he's not trying to win anyway, right? He's just waiting for his showing, right? Yeah, he's just waiting for showing. So probably he's like, ah, lose 100 games again. That's yeah. fine. 
Well, it looks like in addition to Abbott, who I, who, as Charlie said, is probably the second best starter. Uh, Ruben, he's got Ruben Sierra in the minors after hitting basically an MVP candidate last year, 311, 34 home runs, 111 RBIs, and he's down in, in AAA. So he's obviously, I think he's trying to, he's trying to repeat with another hundred loss season and try to get some draft picks. That's what it's looking like. A lot of the guys are balanced, at least, you know, they're solid players. And I think Blauser is underrated, underused and, you know, so, uh, and Lonnie is just Lonnie. So. Yeah. I mean, he's got Lonnie signed for 6 million to 92. He's 33 years old. If he's serious about, you know, rebuilding, then that, that would be, especially with Luis Gonzalez, that would be an obvious player to dangle before the trade deadline, trade Lonnie Smith, get a bunch of prospects and picks for him. And then, a rebuild with uh, Luis Gonzalez at left field, right? Yeah. All right, let's move on. Number four in the East, we have the Brooklyn Superbas. Brooklyn, by the way, has lost 100 games three years in a row. I didn't realize they've been they've been that bad. They were 15th in offense, 16th in pitching last year. This year, they're projected to finish over 500 at 85 and 75. And uh, we had Pete look at Brooklyn. So, uh, Pete, is 85 wins uh, realistic for this team? I think so. And every time I've bet against them, they, they end up outperforming. But then the last few years I've bet with them and they lose 100 games. So I guess just go with whatever the opposite of what I say today is. But, you know, the, the lineup doesn't look bad. I mean, you've got Griffey's a complete stud offensively and defensively. Uh, and you still got Mike Greenwell, who did take a, a ratings hit in contact, which isn't great, but he's still a stud. And then Matt Williams, who's been mashing home runs. Uh, Ken Landro is still good. The bottom three are not great. I think Galarraga hasn't worked out as well as he probably would have hoped. And then uh, Foley and Reed are basically in there just to fill spots. Uh, Pitching-wise, it's also not bad. You know, you've got Kevin Brown, Britt Burns, David Cohn, Randy Johnson, big name, but hasn't developed yet. So right now he's only rated 16, but he's got a lot of development left on the stuff side. So the pitching probably is going to be okay. You know, the, I think the offense will be balanced, but okay. I'm going to guess in Glenn's ratings, he is somewhere in the middle. because it just looks like a well-balanced team. The pen does look a little bit weak though. It's, there's really no like shutdown closer. John Wetland's the big name, but he's, his ratings aren't anything special. And unlike, I think most teams we've seen, the pen is based around power pitching which I know Dibble proved it can be done, but generally I haven't seen too many people try to build the pen around power pitching. So we'll see how that works out. In terms of uh, who left and who came, Julio Franco is gone. Luis Alisea took over. He's not any better. And then Tim Belcher took over for Bob Sykes. Tim is young, but doesn't look like he's going to be a world beater, but he should be better than Bob Sykes. So team looks fairly similar to last year, except with some, some of the young guys developing. So they, they, they have to be better than 62 and 100. 85 might be a stretch. So let me pick. I'll, I'll pick 78 wins. Very good. All right. So we're to the top three according to the game, but uh, probably not by uh, by Glenn's ratings. But Glenn, you, uh, Washington, We have, the, the game has Washington picked third. They won 96 last year. They were second overall with the second best pitching. The game has them coming in third this year with 87 wins, so a, a drop-off of about 10 games. So, Glenn, what are the strengths and weaknesses of Washington Monuments? Dude, this guy's team is so, – I mean, I think I said last year that there was no team I feared more 
playing. And then of course he lost saber hanging and he almost put me out anyway. Right. So with respect to strengths, he has the highest rated team in the East. He has the highest rated up the middle defense in the entire league. He has two of the top four SPs in the entire game in Saberhagen and Hagera. And they play in the most pitcher-friendly park. He should lead the league in runs allowed, you know, so we'll see. He has the best contest. So on the offensive side, he has the best contact hitting team. This really surprised me. Well, I guess it shouldn't surprise me because, again, we've talked before about how he basically took a lot of Lance's old Chicago Colts, you know, from Lance's really good contact hit and run guys and he transported them to Washington. So he has the best contact team by my measurement other than Seattle. He has made it to the playoffs four of the last six years. He won the World Series once. The other three seasons, he lost to the eventual champion. So he's not going out. You know, this is not an easy out. And and if you're going to win, you have to go through his team. Uh, with respect to changes, he 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 changed his closer, which kind of seems odd. But Washington does have, or traditionally has had, by results at least, the best closer in the game. So even if you go back to the Havens year, I don't know if you guys remember, you know, we had Brad Havens, whose like ratings were like six six six, but he put up an ERA of you know one and had forty saves, right? So, and again, it could be the park, it could be the up the middle defense, but but whatever it is, he consistently has the best closer, even this doesn't have the best closer by ratings or the best bullpen by ratings, like right now. I have his bullpen probably league average, but I would expect just by results that Austin Locker will be among the best closers in the game. Yeah, it looks like he traded Carlos Diaz to Atlanta for Bob Horner. Horner. Um, so yeah, that, well, so yeah, so exactly. So Diaz so, plus, so, plus a bunch of other pieces for Horner. So that that was an interesting move because I think the consensus that Horner has been in decline. Well, if you look at his WAR, he's been dropping. He's gone for three, two, one the last three years. So that. Maybe it's a questionable, like we're going to raise some eyebrows, maybe giving up a top closer and extra pieces for for Horner, who seems to be on the, his OPS plus was below 100 last year, meaning he's a, a below average uh, offensive player. The thing about Horner is, are people trading for Horner based on his past value, right? Like, oh, he was MVP, you know, five years ago. Well, <laughs> that was five years ago, Horner. He's not that guy anymore. But in his lineup, so again, what did he change? The only position in his lineup that changed is fielder for Horner. That's kind of weird. If you look at their just absolute ratings, they're they're actually very similar. So that seems crazy. But dude, Cecil Fielder, who he's replacing, has one of the most extreme left-right splits in the game. He almost has Pasqua-esque splits. And so Horner equally mashes left and right. And that is important because when your team is this good, all you care about is who am I going to meet in the short series and how am I going to do against the teams I'm going to meet in the short series. And every single pitcher on Toronto and virtually every pitcher on Manhattan is right-handed. So Cecil Fielder was a black hole in his lineup in the playoffs. And guess what? Every starter on my team is right-handed. And so in every short series he's in, he has he has a zero contribution, you know, whatever. He has like a crappy five, seven, four or something like that. First baseman. Well, that's unacceptable. So by adding Horner, he's or, or replacing Fielder with Horner, I think he's addressed that. And I'm almost certain, I haven't talked to him, but I'm almost certain that that is in fact what he was thinking. Key question for for Washington. Looking at Brett Saberhagen, uh, he was 
uh, ERA champ last year, 2.04, runner-up for the Cy Young. Obviously, no one's going to surpass Gooden for the Cy Young. But if you look at his win column, the last three years, 19, 19, 19. Will Saberhagen finally get 20 wins this year? I think he will. So I don't know why he's only getting 31 starts a year. That's probably why he's falling one short. But I think he'll get it. I mean, him and Gooden are clearly the top two pitchers in the league. And with Saberhagen having the defense and the pitcher-friendly park, you know, it should be easier for him to to get through with without throwing a ton of pitches. So I'll vote for yes. It'd be a lot easier if he had Diaz to close out those games. Yes, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, last year he had nine losses, which seems it seems nine uh, losses yeah. seems like a lot for a two point oh four ERA, right? So he must have lost a lot of close games. So yeah, I think he gets twenty this year. He could he could win like twenty two, like no problem. I think the weakness on this team is just the age. I mean, he's got a couple guys, you know, in Winfield is I think thirty seven, thirty eight now, and then Yant and Mosby have been declining slowly but surely. And then Bob Horner, we just spoke about, and he's got four guys really playing very key positions that seem to be going the wrong in the wrong direction in terms of their ratings. So, you know, anything drastic happens in terms of injuries or further decline during the season, and this team looks a little bit different. I could add some perspective. Diaz is a disruptive personality, so it could be that that was, you know, addition <laughs> by subtraction, going back to Charlie's. Oh, there you go. I mean, just going back to Charlie's thing. And yeah. then the other thing I, I could add on the ratings, so Pete's sort of intuition is correct. He has the fourth oldest team, and he had minus six to his ratings year over year, and that was almost entirely downgrades to his infield. So Ray, Yount, um, they all lost uh, ratings points, right? So does that mean, is it because they're old or is it because the transition of the game, which, you know, maybe we'll talk about at some point, like ratings are down across the board. But yes, he he did have a, a fairly sizable number of downgrades to his infield. So so it could be the age is starting to show. All right, let's move on. Uh, number two, according to the game, is uh, Detroit. This surprised me. Uh, in my mind, I was thinking that Detroit was in kind of rebuild. They were in teardown mode, but I guess they have been tearing down, but they've been doing, uh, taking a page out of uh, Pete's playbook and just like tearing down, but still still winning at the same time. They had a huge drop off last year from 90 wins to 67. They dropped from fifth to 14th overall, mostly on the offensive side. They dropped from fifth to 13th. Uh, the game this year has them as the second best pitching team, 11th in offense. Obviously, the number one strength is their pitching. As I mentioned, they're projected second overall. They have five quality starters, top to bottom, probably more than that. Andy Bennis, their number five starter, is like he would be a, a, a one or a two for most teams. But lest you think that they're only a pitching team, they have four 300 hitters last year. Chris James, Dwight Smith, Alvaro Espinosa, and Pat Borders. Now, the last two of those, Espinosa and Borders, basically overperformed. I don't see those guys hitting 300 again. And then he has Kevin Mitchell at third base, who is rated, he's the sixth best third baseman in the league. And he's got Finley, who's an eight in center field. So he's got, uh, you know, a couple, couple studs uh, out in the field. For the weaknesses, I just said that his pitching was rated second. The issue, potential issue, is that his one and two starters are both rookies. So we've already talked a lot about Randy Tomlin. 
he's got him plugged in as his ace and then Chris Nabholtz is second. So usually when you have a team with two rookies at the top of the rotation, they're, those are usually like a hundred lost teams or, you know, or like think of like Cleveland a couple of years ago. McGrain, Glavin. And usually that's a rebuilding team, but here we have a team that is projected to win 88 games and they're running out two rookies. Of course, these aren't just any rookies. They're pretty, uh, as Charlie mentioned, Tomlin is kind of the cream of the crop. She also mentioned they're not the only, uh, his closer is also, closer is not a rookie, but his closer, uh, Mikey Stanton is 21. Six of his 11 pitchers are 23 or younger. Um, so I, 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 Chalk that up as a weakness for now, but that's obviously going to be a strength over the coming years, um, because as we mentioned, sometimes these they're not all going to develop at the same time. Uh, his system is rated third overall. Tomlin is the ninth rated player overall. Napholtz is twelfth. I should also mention fourteen of his twenty-five man roster are twenty-five or younger, so one of the youngest teams in the league. He still has four extra picks coming uh, next year, so the youth movement will continue. Unless, of course, he uses those as trade capital, you know, if you, to trade for some key pieces in the, if he's in the pennant race. But I will say that in his draft this year, he had 11 picks after the first round. We had like four or five picks in the first round, which were all good. But then he had 11 picks after that. And I have to say, most of those were pretty under underwhelming. I, there were no real names that jumped out. So maybe it's just because it was kind of a weak draft once you get past the first 20 or so picks. Overall outlook. So the game has them rated to win 88 games. I think that seems about right. They have a rare combination of being very young, but also very good at the same time, which is, and that, that's again, that's pretty unusual. So I think they will definitely compete this year. And they're also going to be, we could see them winning, winning the pennant, you know, in, in a couple of years. And maybe, you know, maybe he's on the verge of building another dynasty. Yeah, without question, this is a dynasty in the making. I think Sean is meticulous with, with every aspect of his team. It was by design that he lost so many games last year, basically. And he was just kind of playing possum a little bit and getting that draft pick and position. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be a good team for a long time, starting with the pitching. Okay, let's move on to our number one team, uh, Toronto, last year's World Series runner-up and also last year's top offensive team, 5.4 runs per game. They've been the top offensive team the last two years, but last year they bumped it up from 5.1 to 5.4 runs per game. His two, three, four hitters all had over 116 RBIs, just an insane offensive team with Gooden, you know, the Cy Young winner, head in the rotation pretty unstoppable so charlie does toronto have any weaknesses i guess <laughs> that's I, funny you say that yeah yeah so well, yeah this team is, this team is a mess right i mean what a joke um no like even though they're the champ, they're not the champs right this is i think this is the team to beat. period so um nothing's really changed in terms of the lineup that doesn't let up you want names like alomar palmero burks joiner bell howard john i mean come on i mean this is just there's no relief in sight at all right his um his biggest misstep in the offseason was letting julio machado get away and then turn around and traded to get him right back uh he signed pena pastori those guys can help out a lot uh what else his weaknesses i guess we want to say defense but i mean not really they're not the worst by any stretch uh, Alomar and Duncan up the middle. That's that's not a terrible combo. Burks is a four and center, but he's got speed and range. So that doesn't hurt you that much. 
Uh, McFarlane, there it is. There's your weakness. <laughs> McFarlane's right, glove. <laughs> McFarlane's glove. That's it. That's it. But then he's got Pena to back him up. So I, I, I cannot see any weaknesses. And you think, you know, that a team that's already stacked is going to have no prospects. But he's got Juan Gonzalez, who may be the number one prospect. You know, he's a one-man farm system. I don't see any weaknesses. Anybody else? I think the defense may be worse than you've got him rated. I mean, every year we say the same thing. He has the worst defense in history, and it's not – it's still the worst defense in history. Yeah, but he just – he outhits it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He, I mean, he's, got, he's got five guys with more than 33 home runs. His sixth best hitter hit 305. George Bell had 93 RBIs, and that was fifth on the team. Right. So it's like it almost doesn't matter. The strength of his offense way more than compensates for the weakness of his defense. Also, uh, we just briefly touched on Gooden. Obviously, the guy's a stud. He's on pace to win his third straight Cy Young Award, fifth fifth Cy Young overall, by the way, which would tie him with Larry Durker for the most Cy Youngs. And he's 25. So that's freaking scary. What I think is weird is that McFarland is even in his team. It's because he's from Stockton, California. No, Woo-hoo! are you serious? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, that's. that's right here. Um, I think that guy went to high school with my uh, girlfriend or my wife. Sorry, my girlfriend. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> breaking news. All right, I think I think we're done with these. We should yeah, it. move Let's along. We're gonna stop moving along. Break it down. Time.